This is episode 120 of the Creative Giant Show. I'm Charlie Gilkey. Thanks so much for joining me today. In this Q&A episode, Angela and I are back at it again answering questions our community members have been asking. In today's episode, we discuss how to network from a place of generosity, how to do project postmortems, and how Angela and I work together in harmony as a married couple. Ready? Let's do this. Welcome to the Creative Giant Show, where we go behind the scenes about what it means to live a life full of creative and professional success. Creative giants are talented, renaissance souls with a compassion-fueled bias towards action. Now, here is your host, Charlie Gilkey. Hello, Creative Giants. This is our sixth question and answer episode. Angela is joining me again. We started doing that in episode four or in the fourth of these. I believe so. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, just because they're way more fun than just monologuing a question. So, Angela, thanks for joining me again. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. All right, let's dive right in. What do we have? Okay. Well, our first question today is from Chris on the campfire. And he says he's been coming about some realizations about being a lone wolf and a solo entrepreneur. And in part of that, um, he's been making more connections but is not always sure how to approach people with value add in mind. So what he wants to know is how do I go about figuring out how to be the one that gives instead of takes? And if I come out with something as forward as how can I help you, will I get good comments or something like I could use a foot rub? That's an interesting question, especially because we know Chris. Yeah. And Chris is really generous, right? So when I saw this question, I was like, is this an actual problem? What's going on, Chris? <laughs> so this is Chris from JetLaunch.net. He's the guy that put together both versions of the Small Business Lifecycle for us. That's our book. Um, great guy to know. So what I want to say here is the first thing is to think about the fact that if you adopt and practice generosity as a personal value and a personal principle, mm-hmm. it's very hard for you not to be helpful to other people. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's when we try, when we don't have that value of generosity, that we then have to remember that we need to be generous. Right. And I think that's why I found Chris's question really interesting because from what I've experienced of him, he's a very generous person. Yeah. Right. But there may be a sort of business question in here in the sense of if people don't know what it is that you do, it's hard for them to answer. The question of how can I help you, right? Because they're thinking of everything. But if they know that, for instance, um, you're a um, book launch consultant mm-hmm. and they know that about you, then you could say, is there any way I can help you with that? They're automatically going to generate questions related to or they're going to um, generate um, ideas that, that are really relevant to that. So the first thing that I would say is if you want to be more generous, honestly, be clearer about what you do. And how you can be helpful for other people, mm. right? And so there's we, we tend to want to have a, a general quest like that. Be like, there are all sorts of ways I might be able to help someone. Mm-hmm. But again, if you know that I'm a, for instance, I'm a marketing specialist. And if you're in business and I say, how can I help you? You're probably going to think of different marketing ideas or you're going to come up with that. The second thing is I've noticed that many people actually have a hard time receiving help. Mm. Yeah. And so rather than saying, how can I help you? Sometimes you'll need to say, I would like to help you with this, right? Um, or, can, or can I help you with this? Or I would love to do this for you. Mm-hmm. 
right? Because otherwise, if you ask the how can I help you, what you're likely going to get is the, oh, well, I'm not quite sure. Let me get back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they don't, right? Yeah. On this real, on this, on this beat real quick, what I want everyone listening to, to explore is the fact that receiving help is not a taking from someone. Mm-hmm. Because we have that whole idea, if I ask for help, then I'm being a burden or I'm taking something or I'm going to owe somebody. But for those generous souls out there that love working with people and love do- doing what they do, actually being able to help someone is, a, is an incredible gift, right? And mm-hmm. so by you're not accepting help, in a lot of ways, you're receiving a gift. A gift you're, you're refusing to take a gift that someone is offering, mm. which would be incredibly rude if I showed up to a birthday party, right? <laughs> and I've got a present for you. It's like, I've got this thing. I would love to give it to you. And you're like, nope, don't need it. Keep it, right? Um, it would just be rude. So I think those are some things that I would, that I would say. Two, two main things. Mm-hmm. Three main things. One, um, practice generosity across your life, not just in your business. And it's going to be a lot easier to show up and be a giver and not a taker Mm -hmm. to be clear about what you actually do and give people so that it's easier for people to figure out how you might help them. Mm -hmm. And three, um, make a specific sort of invitation or, um, suggestion about ways that you can help them say, I would like to help you with X. Are you, what do you think about that? Okay. Those are great ideas. There we go. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks for that question. Our next question comes from Shannon um, Dutton from the campfire as well. And he wants to know, do you know of a methodology to archive or store learnings in order to serve as a knowledge base for other stakeholders within the business? The main challenge being postmortems after projects get lost. So how do you ensure that it's part of a process and also a knowledge base so it can be used to upskill your staff so everyone is learning? Can you also talk about the values of having such a methodology when working with remote teams and onboarding new teammates? Shan is a man after my heart when it comes to after action reviews and debriefs, <laughs> right? Oh boy, this is going to be a long answer. Okay, I'm, I'm going to make it quick. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm going to make kidding. it quick. So an after-action review or debrief or post-mortem, we, we use different ways of saying the same thing. Um, at the very basic thing, one is having someone who can facilitate it and who will facilitate it. Two, being able to ask three basic questions. What did we want to happen? What actually happened? And what do we want to do differently in the future? Right? And being able to go through there. And while asking that conversation, like there are many different AAR and debrief, but I think that's the simplest, right, um, that you can do. If you don't like that one, you can do do the keep, drop, add. So what did we do that we want to keep? What did we do that we want to drop? And what did we not do that we wanted to add? So that's a keep, drop, add mm-hmm. sort of framework for that. Mm-hmm. What's really important during a debrief is that you can talk about the ugly babies that showed up throughout the process. You can talk honestly about what didn't happen, right? And that you can have a real honest conversation about that. Because a lot of times when when you see AARs for people who mean well and mean to be in a celebratory phase, mm-hmm. don't necessarily ask, like, what did, what did we not do? Who dropped a ball on something like that? And um, I've done, through the military, I've done so many after-action reviews. And sometimes they can be fairly brutal. Like, you know... Sergeant Jones did not give the order when he needed to give the order, right? Um, or you can say, 
the order was not given when it needed to be given. And so that led to a or, you know, this wasn't processed or so on. So, but you do want to get to the clarity of what did or did not happen. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times we don't want to call people out. So in case you're getting in one of those contentious moments, rather than saying Angela did not do this, mm-hmm. you can say this was not done. And if it was Angela's responsibility to do it, that's a follow-up conversation, not in a public AAR sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's likely to happen every time I do debriefs is, is more about communication than it is about an individual's execution. Yeah. Right. It's more that Angela didn't know that she needed to tell someone else to do something, or it wasn't clear that it needed to be done by that time, or she didn't have the requirements that she needed to do, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So this goes with Jar- Charlie's general rule about teams. Individual teammates don't wake up in the morning and think, how am I going to screw over my teammates today? <laughs> how am I going to suck at my job and let other people down? Yeah. That's not how we wake up in the morning, right? So if we're doing those things, there's other things in play mm-hmm. that we need to address. And AARs and debriefs are a really great way to do that. So we, um, so it's like, well, I should say schedule the meeting mm-hmm. close to when the event happened. A lot of times we see that when we need to do a postmortem, it's like four months after it actually happened and you don't remember everything. Mm-hmm. So close enough that you remember everything that's going on, but not so close that if it was a really intense, um, positive or negative thing that, um, you're so caught into the emotional moment of it. So schedule the AR, delegate or, you know, um, um, indicate who's going to lead it. Three, ask pointed questions um, that are really about what happened, um, what went well, what didn't go well, what you want to keep, what you want to change, those types of questions. Mm-hmm. I should probably write up a, a series of questions one can ask for this. So I'll do that at some point yeah. in the future. But for now, Shan, you're getting, you're getting the rough riff. Now, the fourth piece is putting it putting that information somewhere that future you can access it. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of wikis for teams, right? We use Confluence. There's also Igloo. Some people use Evernote and, and Google Drive as a wiki. Um, so you can have, I'll, I'll go the simplest version possible, almost the simplest version possible. You can have a team folder that says, you know, project after action review or project postmortem. And before you start any other projects, um, the team has to go and read through the past projects to see what happened. Mm-hmm. And it's a great way to keep up with that. We have AARs that go back to 2010, mm-hmm. right? And it's funny to read them. And sometimes it's infuriating to read them, right? <laughs> because you read them and it's like, it's the same damn thing, right? Yeah. Because we didn't go back and read it or the same pattern happened. So you have to have a place to store it. Again, Confluence, Igloo, Evernote, or Google Drive can be great places to store those. Mm-hmm. And then importantly, you have to have a process by which when you start new projects, you go back and review the stuff that you've already done. Otherwise, why are you doing that? Because mm-hmm. you're not going to remember six to nine months from now all of the details of what happened. Yeah. And this is especially important during launches mm-hmm. because there are a lot of really small technical things that add up to be a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you forgot it the first time, if you didn't know about it the first time, that's okay, but sometimes even if you know about it, it's easy to forget. Like, oh, yeah, I need to click that one button because it doesn't make the thing do the do the what's it what, right? And so you just have to remember those types of things. Um, so the value of that is you don't keep making the same mistakes over and over again, right? You don't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Two, it makes getting that project done a lot faster and a lot 
uh, cheaper if you're paying for it and a lot less stressful, right? Because you're not walking into this huge unknown. You kind of have the chart in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even more important to do this in remote teams than it is in in um, on-site teams. Because in remote teams, you have relays that happen between projects and tasks, and you have a lot of silence and downtime. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, it's during those silence and downtimes where the most communications will pop up. And so, um, for instance, relays are, for instance, when you're dealing with teams that are across different time zones. If I send, see, it's um, it's almost 4.30 now in, in um, Pacific time. Mm-hmm. If I've got a teammate that's on Eastern time and mm-hmm. I send her something, Mm-hmm. Right. And she stops work at five o'clock. It's 430 my time. She has 30 minutes to get that done. More than likely, she's going to wake up tomorrow morning and do that, which is going to add um, relay time to whatever task. And it's just wait time. Mm-hmm. Right. So if she works on it in the morning, then sends it to me and then I look at it and send it back to her at 430 the next day. We've added two days of relay time to something where we could have said, you know what, actually, we need to coordinate so that we're doing this at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Or when we're in work time. So um, remote teams, I, I went on a bit of a tangent there, but what happens is, is when you don't have this documentation and planning up front, you don't have nearly the on-hand flexibility that you do when you have a group of 10 people working in the same room because you know everybody's going to leave about the same time. You can pull people into projects, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So it's super important to have that for all teams, but especially for remote and virtual teams. Yeah. Great. That was a great question, Shan. Thanks for asking that. Um, Thank you, Charlie, too, for answering that. So our last question for today comes from Rachel, um, Rachel Gogos from the Campfire. And she asked about how we work together as a married couple. So specifically, how do you work in harmony as a married couple? And how do you not let your entire life become about your work? So since this is q and I'm going to let you answer that. I was wondering if you were going to answer that. Actually, I'm going to turn it on you. <laughs> what? So, yeah. Oh, I wasn't expecting all that. Well, tough. All right. Okay, so ask me the question. <laughs> so this is from Rachel Gogos from the Campfire. <laughs> she says, how do you work in harmony as a married couple? How do you not let your entire life become about your work? And the reason I actually wanted to flip it about you is because um, – you're on the partner of the of the chief entrepreneur and creative, like you've become that way. But I think I have to work harder to not let things, not let business creep into personal more than you do. Okay. Okay. Does I that think, make sense? Yeah, I think I see what you're saying. Okay. Well, um, I was not expecting to have to answer a question. So let me think for just one second. Well, the first thing... That comes to mind for me, uh, Rachel, when I think about this question, is that one of the things that Charlie and I implemented a couple of years back were date nights. And so that's the very first thing that comes up for me when I think about this. And one of the big reasons we actually implemented it a few years back was because there were many a complaint coming from me about us spending our time together that was away from work still talking about work. And so we still we still try to do date night every week. Sometimes we're not able to just because of other requirements and scheduling things, but 
if we are both here um, in town, then we do try to make it a priority. Um, and one of the things that we try to do on date night is to really focus on each other and our relationship, what we've been up to um, personally, more so than professionally. Um, I say that, and then a caveat I want to add to that is thinking about if you're not in business with your partner, your spouse, one of the things that you all often talk about is probably work anyway, and what happens at work, how your work day was, that type of thing. So we do still try to check in with each other about that kind of thing. Um, even though we do work in the same business, oftentimes we don't see each other a lot throughout the day. Um, Charlie may be out speaking or in meetings with clients, whereas I might be working on um, financial management or community engagement or some type of solo thing like writing. So uh, we can be in very different places at times. And so it actually helps us to kind of come together even at the end of our day if we haven't been working together to talk about how our days were. Um, another thing that we will do sometimes um, – and it's been, I think it's been a little while since we've done this, is when we are out on date night or when we're together for dinner or whatever it might be, is if one or the other of us is noticing that we're starting to really talk a lot about business and it's getting in the way of more of a personal connection or a reconnecting kind of on the soul and spiritual level, if one of us notices that, we'll kind of say, hey you know, let's, let's check this for just a minute. And if this is something we both really want to be talking about right now, that's great. However, we've said that we want to use this time, these hours together to connect more personally. And so I just wanted to check in with you about how you're feeling about the conversation. And if you'd like to start talking more about the dance classes you're taking or about the workouts you've been doing with Corey or about um, this writing project you've been doing for yourself. Um, so those are a couple of things that come to mind for me. What about for you, Charlie? Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things. It kind of goes back to what I was saying with Chris um, mm -hmm. because we have a personal practice that, that makes it a lot easier. And um, a long time ago, we developed the habit of not actually talking or not having our phones on the table when we eat dinner and yes. when we're with each other anyway. So yes. they're not on, they're not in our pockets. So I could try to get rid of it. There will be times where, you know, we'll, we can shut phones off. Mm -hmm. And the reason I want to slide that in there is because I think so often when you're so attached to these computers that are in your pockets that are feeding you business data, that's where your brain is. Yeah. Right. And so you're going to talk about whatever's on your mind. Mm-hmm. Well, what's on your mind is what's on your phone. And if what's on your phone is your business, then you're going to be talking about your business, mm -hmm. right? And so we have some um, we have some practices around that. And it feels, for both of us, it feels really awkward. Like yeah. when we're at a dinner table and one or the other has a phone in our hands or looking at the phone, it, it just it, it feels wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and so that helps out a lot. Um, I know for me, I don't know if I've told you this, Angel, but... Um, something that I, that I need to do on date nights mm -hmm. is I need to make sure that I have like a good 30 minutes or so of transition time. Because if I, mm -hmm. if I jump right from 
business and work right into date night, then there's just stuff that I haven't internally processed. Yeah. And again, what's on my mind becomes what comes out of my mouth. Yeah. Right. And so if I can have some time to sort of calm myself and say, you know what, what, what do I need to process? What happened? So on and so forth. Then I can do that and then go into date night and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, I think the other thing that we'll do is we have specific meetings where we'll talk about the different aspects of the business. So if we need to have a, a lead and finances meeting or a sales and finances meeting, then we'll, we'll schedule a meeting and we'll talk about sales and financing. Mm-hmm. If our sales and cash or sales and finances, if we need to talk about different things related to hiring, we will schedule a meeting with each other to talk about those types of things. Yeah. Um, and so we do a, a pretty good job of saying, you know, we need to talk about this, mm-hmm. but we need to do it during business hours. Yeah. And we need to have the specific agenda, and it doesn't need to roll over into into this. Now, yeah. all of that, they're good protective and preventative measures. But as she mentioned earlier, like we both are really passionate about what we do. We're really involved in it. And so it's natural mm-hmm. for it to come up throughout our personal conversations, right? And yeah. so think about it this way. Your highs and your lows of your days largely come from things that happen at work. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going on a date night or you're having a really personal conversation and it's like, tell me all the great things that are highs and lows that have nothing to do with business and nothing to do with your work, nothing to do with your job. Mm-hmm. It actually can be really hard, really awkward because it's like, well, um, <laughs> nothing. Um, somebody looked funny at, looked at me funny on the bus. <laughs> right. And so I'd say that like it's important to be intentional about how much time you're doing and how the energy that you're sharing throughout these times. Mm-hmm. But if it comes up, it's exactly as Angela mentioned earlier. You can say, hey, I'm just going to do a check-in real quick. Um, is this going to be what's nourishing for both of us right now? And yeah. there have been plenty of times, especially during busy weeks, to where date night actually served as a way for us to catch up with each other about what we've been doing because we've been running that fast. Yeah. And if we tried to ha- go into date night without actually having that catch-up and sync – it makes it super awkward. It's like, well, um, yeah, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um, I think one of the things I like to think about with regards to this is, you know, and I love how you brought up, like, if we need to have a discussion about finances, we schedule a meeting during work hours. If we need to have a personnel discussion, we schedule it for during work hours. I kind of like to think about it like what what would you do if you were sitting down to eat dinner with your family or with your significant other and all of a sudden your boss or your coworker just sat down and said now's the time for us to discuss hiring x person for y job. Yeah, that would be incredibly strange, incredibly strange. So I guess it's just helpful to think about you know, what those um, boundaries look like for you as an individual and then together as a couple. Um, And I feel like for us implementing the date nights and the open possibility that either one of us at any time can just kind of do a check-in that says, hey, you know, I'm noticing that we're talking about business a lot I'm feeling a little uncomfortable about it and would really rather talk about this vacation that we're planning in February so that we can plan for it and see what we both want to be doing. We can do that without 
without hurting the other one's feelings or feeling rude or, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's to riff on that or to amplify that. It's treating your partner like a coworker, mm-hmm. right? And that could, that's a role switch that can be really, really challenging at times, mm-hmm. but it can also be really helpful at times because like I'm talking to you as my coworker mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm talking to you as my wife, right? Yeah. And then there are other times I'm talking to you as my personal coach, right? Because Angela's yeah. a fantastic coach, right? And she sees things that I would never see. So like, I'm like, I need some, I need the soundboard or, or coach through this, which Sometimes it's about work, but sometimes it's about other things. But it's about being clear about what you what what you need from your partner at that time. Yeah. Right. And just saying, hey, I need my partner's I need her to sit down with me and, and discuss something as a coworker. Mm-hmm. Well, we schedule that, right? And sit down and do it, right? It's important to get done. Um yeah. as opposed to other things. And it it's like it it kind of makes me think about our relationship with Joe, right? Because mm-hmm. Joe's a good friend of ours mm-hmm. and we do stuff, you know, after business hours, but I'm not sitting there playing games with Joe, right? And and talking about business work. Like we we have we we have a fairly compartmentalized relationship. Mm-hmm. But there have been times where she's come over for dinner and we had a slit there. It's like, ooh, we did not mean to go that way. Let's steer it back this other direction, right? Yeah. And so um I think it's really embracing the multidimensionality of the relationship. Mm-hmm but calling for the dimension that you need at that particular time and understanding that the dimension that you need from your partner may not be the dimension that that partner is able to give or wants to give at that time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and that leads into a whole, whole nother conversation of, you know, something that you have to figure out personally with your partner and what that looks like. So, um, I really appreciate that question, Rachel. I think it's um, a wonderful question. And I know that it seems like more and more people are trying to figure out ways to work with family members or partners or friends. And so that's a really important topic for people to keep in mind. And I think keeping open lines of communications and establishing what it looks like when things veer off for the both of you um, prior to them veering off so you're not in a challenging, heated moment um, is a great way to go about doing that. Yeah. What I'll say here is there's some subtext, actually, that I've heard from other people that I we didn't even think about answering it is the most challenging conversations that you'll have in, in this scenario when your life partner is your work partner mm-hmm. is around performance. Mm-hmm. Right. When someone doesn't do something that they needed to do or said they would do or it's not to standard and things like that. Yeah. That's a really tricky conversation. Yeah. Right. And so um, it's, it's still, I would say, the same thing apply. Like if it's a co-working performance issue, mm-hmm. discuss that during work. Yeah. Do not take that to the dinner table. Yeah. Do not hold a grudge over them. Just put a bottle on it because, again, if the, if she were – if she were another coworker, like I wouldn't, I'll, I'll pick on Joe since we mentioned, like I wouldn't like home, like I wouldn't go over to Joe's house, mm-hmm. right, and be all up in her evening stuff about something that happened during the day. So yeah. I'm not going to do that to Angela either, right? Yeah. And so, um, and and treat it as much as you could as if that person were any other teammate, mm-hmm. right? Just with a whole hell of a lot of knowledge about things, right? But it's still like if you need to have a performance evaluation conversation and that could be really awkward, right. In a Mm -hmm. lot of ways, but it's still, what did we agree on doing? What's your role? Like, how are you doing? And you just conduct that as best you can as if they were another coworker and realize, I say it's easy because we've been doing it long enough. I'm not, it's not that it's easy. I say it, 
um, because we've been do or we've been doing it long enough that it's not that challenging for us a mm-hmm. lot of times. I think. Yeah. Um, there's still some times where it's challenging though. Yeah, there are. Um, but what I would just wanted to say is um, go into that conversation. And as best you can, compartmentalize the emotions that you have around that conversation to be about work mm-hmm. and not necessarily about life. And that can sometimes mean like we've had these conversations to where like we've had to have the conversation. It's a challenging conversation. And then we'll like both go out for a walk with each other mm-hmm. for 10 or 15 minutes. Or sometimes we just go do our separate things yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Right. Um, we learned, um, especially during our sales and finance meetings. Um, that it was always best to, to end them with a hug, mm-hmm. right? Because sometimes stuff comes up and what are priorities and trade-offs and things like that. And so just to always end those meetings with a hug, yeah. um, just, just reminded that no matter how separated we got and no matter how contentious this may have gotten, mm-hmm. we are fundamentally on the same team. Yeah. Um, we fundamentally love each other. We fundamentally want the, what's best for each other. Mm-hmm. And that's, <laughs> that's how you end it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I feel... Pretty complete with that one. How about you? I feel complete too. Okay. Alrighty. So this is our second episode. As we mentioned on the episode before, the, the question and answer episode before this, when we had a lot of questions about entrepreneurship that came up from the Creative Giant Campfire, which is all good. It's all good. Like it could be about um, your personal productivity stuff. It can be about relationships. It can be about whatever. We just happen to have a bunch of questions from our entrepreneurs related to entrepreneurship, small business growth. If you want to, um, you know, ask a question that we'll end up answering here, um, then the easiest way to do that is to join the Creative Giant Campfire on Facebook. It's our free Facebook group. Um, in this community, we get prompts, we talk about what's going on, we share resources. It's a great place to be, and so you can find it by searching Creative Giant Campfire on Facebook. Um, if you're not the social type, completely get that. Then you can email Angela at Angela at ProductiveFlourishing.com. Until next time, stand tall. We're having some great conversations in the Creative Giant Campfire, our free Facebook group. Search for Creative Giant Campfire in Facebook to join us there. It's where we're grabbing these suggestions, but we're also sharing prompts, microposts, and other content that helps us stand tall together. And if you're digging the Creative Giant Show, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a rating or review on iTunes. If you're not familiar with how to do this, there's a walkthrough available on the podcast page on ProductiveFlourishing.com. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Creative Giant Show. To find more tools and inspiration for creative giants, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. Stand tall, creative giant.